Hey, my name's Matt Howe. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills, and if I've not had an opportunity to meet you previously, would love to do that at the end of service today, right down here. You can come down and just shake my hand, hug my neck, whatever, and tell me who you are. I love, love that opportunity. Um, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, or even if you haven't been, uh, we're in the middle of a series on the book of Romans, uh, hence the beautiful columns lit up in blue behind me. Um, if you haven't figured out till just now what those are, Okay, I give you grace, sorry, but that's what they are. They're columns, and, and we're in Romans, and it's been exciting. And, and you know, uh, how many of you remember the shows when you were younger, like the TV sitcoms where you'd like watch a show, and it would be like a cliffhanger, right? Like it would have you right on the edge of your seat, and it might be a half-hour show or an hour show. And then right at the very end, right when you think things are going to resolve themselves, the words to be continued pop up. Do you guys remember that? Now, all the kids from this generation are like, what the heck? is he talking about, right? Because they don't really do that anymore. But in the days when you couldn't like DVR or you couldn't go back and watch something or you couldn't get online and see it or stream it or whatever, there were these shows that only happened once a week, right? And so it, your show was on Monday night and all of a sudden it's to be continued. You got to wait until the following Monday night to see what the rest of the story is, right? I kind of feel that way uh, with our series here in Romans. It's like every week, it's kind of like to be continued, dot, 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 Right? Like, come back next week so that you can hear a little bit more of the story. And I love Romans chapter 8, and that is where we are going to spend our time this morning. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and crack that baby open, because we're going to be all over the place uh, in Romans 8 this morning. But man, there's just a lot of really good stuff uh, therein. So Paul writes this letter to Rome, to the Christians, to the church in Rome, and he's trying to give them a systematic theology because they've never really received apostolic instruction, right? So they're just kind of trying to piece things together and figure out what this whole gospel, good news message of Jesus Christ really is. And Paul writes, and in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live, shall live by faith, right? So Paul's like, look, I'm not ashamed of this. This is the gospel. It is the gospel of grace, which leads to righteousness. It's grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He's like, this is what you need to live for. So everything that Paul explains from there on in this book is all built around this gospel that he's not ashamed of. Paul spends the majority of chapters 1 and 2 presenting this overwhelming evidence of, of man's sinfulness, right? I had this conversation yesterday uh, with someone in our church just about how, you know, how are we kind of born? Like, are we born basically good? Are we born basically bad? You know, and if I asked that question in this room, we'd probably get a little bit of split answer. But the Bible and Paul clearly lays out that, no, we're, we're born with this sin nature, right? It's, it's a part of who we are. Sin came into the world through one man, Adam, right? And later Paul's going to reveal to us how salvation came into the world through one man, Jesus, right? Jesus was like the second Adam, Okay. And so we're sinners. That's what Paul sets up for us in chapters 1 and 2. And then after delivering all this bad news, this negativity in chapters 1 and 2, he delivers this good news in chapters 3 through 5. And that is that God brings salvation to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. All can be made right 
with God. That's good news. In chapters 6 and 7 then, which we talked about a little bit last week, Paul addresses the real struggle that we have with our sinful nature. Again, we're, we're, we're naturally sinners. We're inherently sinners. So there's this kind of constant struggle that we live in, right? But Paul maintains that we have no obligation to that sinful nature because we're now alive in Christ, right? So you're no longer a slave to sin. Now you have been made free. You are alive in Christ. So go and live like it. Live out your new identity. Live out the spirit that is inside of you, right? And that's kind of what I prayed earlier, you know, that the spirit of, of offense or the spirit of, of depression or anxiety or any of these things, right? Like you should no longer feel like you are a slave to those things. Why? Because now you live a free life in the spirit of God. It's the beauty of it. And so we continue this journey this morning in the book of Romans, chapter 8. And Paul begins with this in verse 1. He says... Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. That's a pretty good start to chapter 8. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is good news. It is continued good news that Paul has been laying out to be continued, dot, 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 week in and week out. He's now telling us at the beginning of chapter 8, verse 1, there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We talked about several weeks ago how the charge against us is sin and how the verdict is guilty. But guess what? The punishment is nothing. Why? Because the guilty verdict has been removed. The guilty verdict has been overturned. Jesus Christ took the punishment for us. And Paul says that through Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. This life-giving Spirit that Paul is talking about is the Holy Spirit. Now, those of you who are a member of this church or have been attending here for a while, you remember that last May, we spent three weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. The reality is <clears throat> we could spend three years talking about the Holy Spirit and probably still not uncover all of the mystery behind who the Holy Spirit is. Well, this is what we know. We know that the Holy Spirit was present at the creation of the world, right? I mean, the Bible says, let us make man in our image, right? God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, right? Present at the creation of the world. We also know that the Holy Spirit is the power behind the rebirth of every single Christian man and Christian woman. 
The Holy Spirit sets us free from sin and death and provides us with the power that we need to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of every single believer. Um, as Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Right? Like the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God is living inside of me. And so Paul continues on. We're going to skip down a little bit further to verse 12 of chapter 8. He says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So what Paul is saying here is that Christians do have an obligation but our obligation is not to our flesh. Rather, it is to the Spirit. We are to no longer live as slaves. Some of us walk around like we've got chains on our wrists and chains on our ankles, right? We're walking around as slaves would walk around. And, and, God, and Paul says, no, no longer must you live as slaves according to the desires of your flesh or, or your sinful inclination." Rather, you are to live as free people, according to and empowered by the Holy Spirit. What would it look like if the people of Anderson Hills United Methodist Church in Anderson Township, Cincinnati, Ohio, began to really live as freed people, according to and empowered by the Holy Spirit? What would my family look like? What would the dynamics in my family life, how would it change? How would my, my work life change? How would my school life change? How would my personal life change if I began to really live out my faith? And why not? I mean, think about it. Would, of the two options, which one would you rather live? Oh, pastor, I just love living like I'm in bondage. <laughs> you know? I just love being weighted down by all the things of this world. I can't give that up. It's amazing, right? Nobody says that. And as I read through the eighth chapter of Romans this week, I, I decided to just sit down and make a simple list of kind of like pros and cons. You guys ever do that? When you were kids, like you were just told, sit down. Like, did your parents ever tell you that? Like, you know, it's kind of like a disciplinary action, right? Like, go sit over there and write down the pros and the cons by your behavior, you know, whatever. So I decided to look through this and, and the pros and cons of living by the spirit, controlled by the spirit versus living controlled by the flesh. And here's a really simple list that I came up with, okay? Here it is. So the spirit, right? Strength, focused, life, peace, obedience, freedom, hope. Pretty good list, right? Flesh, well, pretty much the opposite. Weakness, distracted, death, hostility, disobedience, slavery, fear. So I'm here this morning to say that I would highly recommend that you live according to the flesh. Because that just sounds amazing, right? But how many of us live in those things? Look at that. How many of you live life out of this weakness? 
This sense of I can't do anything about my situation. I can't handle, I can't do anything about, about the way that things are in my life. We, we live distracted. We live completely focused on all the wrong things. We, we live as though the end for us is death and we're scared to death of it, right? We live this life that's just constantly in hostility where there's this constant tension around us. And, and we live this life of disobedience where we know that if we were to really actually do what the word of God says, life would probably be better for us, but no, I'm going to choose to just stay over here in the category of disobedience. And we live life, as I've already said earlier, like we're in bondage, like we're in slavery, and we live life out of fear. The fear of, of the unknown, of the what if. But what if I really do live life controlled by the Spirit? What if I really do let God have the entirety of my life? Well, guess what? Look at that left side. That looks pretty good. That looks pretty good. I don't know how anyone could, could look at this list and not want to live according to and empowered by the Holy Spirit. When we live according to the Spirit of God, he gives us the power to escape all of the condemnation and guilt that life throws our way. Man, wouldn't I love that? I mean, there's not a day go by that the world's not making me feel guilty and, and condemned about something, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not athletic enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not blah, 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 you know? And it's like, just get away from all that. And understand this, grace is the key to living free. Pursuing the life that the Lord has set apart for you. If you are struggling with thoughts of condemnation, then know that it is not the Lord who is accusing you. I mean, God has already forgiven us and freed us from sin's grasp. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there is freedom that comes with that. There is freedom associated with that. Remember, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God didn't send his son to die on a cross for you so that you could spend your whole life miserable. Now, I'm no Joel Olstein. I'm not going to stand up here and be like, oh, man, life's just so great. Just give your life to Jesus. I'm going to be like, <laughs> all the time, right? I mean, I'm not going to go that far because life's going to be hard, right? But listen, God provided everything with our redemption to enable us to live a life that is worthy of our calling. He wants us to live a victorious life by the Spirit of God. He wants us to live a life of peace and of joy. And if you're here this morning and you're just not living that, like you would say, man, my life is totally the opposite of that, then maybe, just maybe, you haven't fully trusted your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe that's the thing that's holding you back. I'm in no way implying that the spirit-filled life is an easy life. I mean, listen to what Paul writes in verse 17 of, of Romans chapter 8, and this is the New Living Translation. It says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his what? Yeah, and even the way you said that was so appropriate, right? <laughs> Suffering, right? There is a price for being identified with Jesus. Along with great treasures, Paul mentions the suffering that Christians must face. For the Christians in first century Rome, there was economic and there was social persecution. Some even faced death. And while this is still true for some in certain parts of the world today, the greatest risk that we face in America is complacency. 
Church, I'm here to tell you today that to live as Jesus did, serving others, giving up one's rights, um, resisting pressures to conform to the world, it's going to cost you something. But nothing we suffer can compare to the great price that Jesus paid to save us. And listen to what Paul writes in verse 18. He says, yet, we, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. What we suffer now, that's nothing compared to the glory of God that will be revealed to us later. Hallelujah. But pastor, you might say, that, that all sounds great, but, but where do I start? Where do I start? I've been living according to the desires of the flesh for so long that I'm just, I'm weak, right? That list, weakness, that's my life. Well, listen to what Paul writes in verses 26 uh, through 28. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Man, that news just keeps getting better and better and better. So the Spirit helps us when we are weak. The Spirit intercedes for you when you're weak. So if you're here and you're saying, you know what, I'm in a place of, of weakness. I don't even know where to start. Let God do the work for you. We spend so much time worrying about whether or not we're saying or doing the right thing when what, when what God really wants is for us to just abide in him, to just trust him. Just say, here it is, God. I mean, you don't know what to say or do. Join the crowd. Let his spirit speak and act on your behalf. Sometimes we need to heed the holy shh. You know what I'm talking about? The shh. Man, this week was one of those weeks for me. Like sometimes I find myself doing this, right? I'm just flapping my jaws, just going off about something. And then God just subtly reminds me, shh, be still. Let me do the talking. Let me do the work. Dr. Luke reminded or recorded these words in, uh, of Paul in Acts chapter 17, verse 8. He said, for in him we live and move and have our being. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, church. There's a lot of days when that's not me. My movement and my life and my being are wrapped up in everything else besides God. But I think my desire for my life and my desire for my family's life and for your life is that you would live and that you would move and that you would have your being in Jesus Christ. Are you living and moving and placing the whole of your life, the entirety of your life into the more than capable hands of Jesus? Not only does the Spirit intercede for us, but so does the Son. 
I mean, the intercessory work of, of two members of the Godhead, the Trinity, is what guarantees that nothing will separate us from the love of God. That's what Paul writes there in Romans 8. And then he continues on in verses 31 through 39. He says, what then shall we say in response to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Man, I kind of just want to stop there and sit for a minute. If God is for us, then who in this dirty, stinking, trashy world can be against us, right? I mean, you could have enemies stacked up five stories high on this side. But if God is for you over here, guess what? All those enemies just crumble away. God is for us, then who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. That is good news. Maybe you came in here this morning needing to hear some good news. Well, there you go. The Holy Spirit gives us assurance with God to convince us that nothing will ever separate us from his love. The Holy Spirit within us continually testifies to us that we are, in fact, indeed the children of God and gives us hope for our eternal future. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. I don't even know what it necessarily looks like to conquer something. I've not had a lot of luck in my life conquering things. But what's beautiful about this scripture is it says not only did Jesus conquer sin and death, but he has made us more than conquerors, right? I don't even know, what the, I don't even know if that's possible, right? What is that? More than conquerors? I think it means I don't have anything to worry about. I think it means I don't need to live according to the desires of the flesh, right? I don't need to live in sin and bondage. I don't need to live hopeless and in fear and in frustration. I need to live as one who is free. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror. 
and nothing in all of creation can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Wow. As the band makes their way up here this morning, perhaps what the Lord is calling you to do this morning is just to surrender. What does that look like? Three things. It looks like hands off. Hands off. You know what I'm talking about? Like you got your hand on too much of your life. You're the one that's trying to to be in control of things, the way things go. And God's saying, hands off. Take your hands off. It looks like hands up. Right? This is surrender. This is vulnerability right here, folks. I can take some shots like this, right? But it's hands up. It's my hands are off, God, and my hands are up, and I surrender to you. And you know what else it is? It's hands out. And it's a willingness to say, Spirit of God, fill up my life, fill up my emptiness. Take it over. We are to live by the Spirit and not by our own desires. This morning, I encourage you to surrender your will to the will of God through the Spirit who is able to give us joy and who is able to give us peace. Let us pray in that manner. God, we thank you that your Spirit is all about joy and peace. And God, we need a heavy dose of that Spirit this morning. God, for those who have entered into a close, personal, loving relationship with your son, Jesus, for those who have called upon the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord, God, for those who would stand here today and say, I am saved, I am born again, I am in a right relationship with Jesus, God, I just pray for a fresh indwelling of your spirit in their life this morning. God, that if they're living in bondage to anything in their life, that if there's anything going on that's that's got them down or discouraged this morning, God, that you would just... Well, God, remember that pile, that pile of stuff that's stacked up? Father, if you're for us, who can be against us? So just remove that pile out of these folks' lives this morning. And God, right now in this moment, I want to I talk not just about those who, who would raise their hand and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but for those who would, if they honestly, if they really got honest with themselves this morning, would say, man, maybe I've been playing the part. I've been pretending. I've been disguising myself. I've been coming to church week in and week out, maybe my whole life. But God, they would say, if they were being truly honest this morning, that they've never trusted you. They've never completely and totally surrendered themselves, 100% of themselves to you. God, then today needs to be that day, God. It's time to stop playing the game. It's time to stop walking around wearing a disguise. God, it's time to just rip all that off and just get honest and vulnerable before you and say, God, I need you in my life because this stuff is hard. I'm living according to the desires of the flesh. I'm living in bondage, God. I'm living in weakness. I'm living a life that is headed quickly on the road towards death. And God, today I need the spirit that can give me life, that can give me peace, that can give me hope. That's what I need this morning. And God, if there be a man or woman, young man or young woman here today who would say, man, if I'm being honest, that's, that's me. God, then today salvation needs to come to their door. God, today they need to get themselves right with you. 
And so right now, God, if that's you out there, folks, I want you just to pray this prayer with me. God, I acknowledge, as it says in Romans 1 and 2, that I am sinful, that I have made many, many mistakes in my lifetime. But God, I also acknowledge what it says in Romans 6, that while the wage of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And so today, God, I surrender myself, my heart, my being, my life, my spirit to Jesus Christ. Come into my life and change me from the inside out. For God, I recognize, as it says in Romans 8, that there is no longer any condemnation for those who stand in a relationship with Jesus. Christ. And so today I want that to be me. I want to stand boldly in a relationship with Jesus Christ. God, help them in this moment. Father, work on their behalf. For God, nothing, nothing in all the earth is able to separate us from your love. Your love surrounds us. Move in this moment. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.